0: How often do you run? That's a one-off event. A dating service for dogs, I guess. How's that? Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right. Welcome to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. This is going to be take two folks, technical difficulties, but you didn't need to know that. Anyway, Evan Maynard with Gearhouse is my guest. Evan, please reintroduce yourself. I mean, I I kid, you know, we're very transparent here. Welcome. Uh, Welcome back, Evan. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, I don't know if I should just repeat all the same jokes. It's the first time we did this, but uh, so what's your backstory? Tell us. Let's, let's let's let me let me put you on point here. How did you end up in Seattle? Because you're not a native of Washington. That's right. I moved to Seattle in
1: 2014. Uh, so getting up in the years to where I have to do the math with the year on the date. <laughs> um, and I I moved. Let's see. I grew up in San Jose, California. Went to cleveland for four years and everyone jokes like why would you go from california to cleveland but i went for case western and then went to purdue for grad school um, after that okay um got a real taste of what flatland life is like and decided i really didn't like it <laughs> uh, and you kind of learn all your hobbies revolve around the mountains when you go live in the midwest maybe mm-hmm. uh, and so i looked at ways to get back home and tried to figure out like how I could live without having to get on two planes to get home. Uh, and after that didn't have any constraints. So, um, just kind of looked at what jobs I could get. Turns out all the jobs were either in California or Washington, uh, and Seattle sounded a lot more appealing to me than Los Angeles, um, <laughs> for many reasons, which <laughs> probably will become obvious. Uh, and I've pretty much never left, uh, pretty much liked what I found here. So all right. For all the people that are tired of Californians like finding Seattle, like I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> uh, I tell all my friends that it rains here a lot, so they don't move here. I guess. All right, uh, good. Thank you. Uh,
0: that's that's your that's your job. You have to discourage more more people. I'm a mole. I'm on yeah, your there side. Is. Well, let me let me ask you something. Is Case Western University yeah. Uh-huh. not a university? I've heard the name, okay. but I know nothing about it. And you grew up in California. What drew you out? Why there? Let me ask you that question. I mean, seriously, why Cleveland? But no, why Case Western?
1: Yeah. uh, For people that don't know Case Western, it's about 4,000 undergrads and 8,000 graduate students in the heart of downtown Cleveland. Well, kind of like how UW is in downtown Seattle. So a little bit outside. It's got a university district and all. Uh, And... How I ended up there, I don't maybe know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I was looking at really large colleges, and that one's on the small side. And I was looking for an engineering program and also maybe some business, even though I didn't end up pursuing any of the business side um, in college. But I did stick, to the engineering side. And I wanted to live in a city because I kind of had lived in suburbs, Uh um, which is now kind of interesting that I'm into the outdoors as much as I am but I'm also still living in the heart of a city so that still rings true. So okay. and then it was a strong school but I think really the um the the real why is we went and visited and just hooked us for some reason that no one really explains. Uh Okay. And I wouldn't trade that experience for the world and then I went to Purdue and had a great time there. You know, heads down in the middle of cornfields like nothing better. Uh you know, the only fun thing to do is is golf because you either have a cornfield or you have a golf course. Okay. (laughs) And I can't say that I've golfed since. uh, So maybe that shows, but when that was all the, all my friends did, it's like, well, either we're working at the lab or we were playing golf and golf was a way to kind of get outside in the middle of the day instead of go drinking at the bars. It's like, oh, well, we'll go drinking in the middle of the day. Sounds better.
0: Okay. Uh, (laughs) All right. uh, So. Well, yeah, it's just because it's always interesting, you know, when you, when you hear somebody like, oh, I grew up, in place X and then I went to school somewhere not, I'll call it Case Western off the beaten path a little bit. You know, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't go to Purdue to start, if you will. You didn't go to, you know, Notre Dame, Duke, USC, yeah. whatever, you know, big names that you hear about all the
1: time. So. I mean, totally strange. But, yeah, my, it was fairly, it was pretty normal in my, in my graduating class to leave the state or Mm -hmm. to to leave town, especially, even though there's like Stanford and Berkeley right there. I mean, there's phenomenal institutions. Sure. And still everyone kind of scatters all over the US. And then what's also been true as we kind of see the grow up and see the result of that is almost everyone's trying to get back to California, except for me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But it's a nice way to like go tour the country college, you know, like it's a good Mm -hmm. way to go live somewhere. I don't have to commit to living in the Midwest, get to see a whole new type of You know politics and social culture, and you know what
0: what it means to be friendly. Uh, Okay, so yeah, yeah. all right. But you you went okay. So you grew up in kind of the Bay Area. You don't have mountains in the backyard in the Bay Area. I mean, they're the Sierra Nevadas are there. I mean, they're not. You know, you can get to them in the day and all that. What drew you? Because we had talked on the phone. You you mentioned you weren't always the, the way you are, the hiking and and backpacking type of person that you are now. What what got, how'd you get started? What was the, where was the, the genesis of this? Genesis is interesting. I'd, I'd
1: argue there's almost two of them and maybe, I don't know if you had similar experience. I mean, you grew up here and you say you're not outdoorsy. So I don't know if you have a similar experience like this. Like you grow up and you kind of like, I don't know. My hobbies growing up were my parents' hobbies. Okay. Uh, so my dad liked sailing and he liked wrenching on cars and he liked motorboats. And so we figured out all interesting ways to use those things. Okay. Uh and that's why I mean I became a mechanical engineer because I was really interested in race cars and engines and combustion.
0: Um and so I did all that.
1: But I well, we did a lot of outdoors. Let me interrupt stuff. you. I want to ask you, yeah.
0: Let me interrupt you. What type of race cars? What were you what were you into?
1: Um Formula Fords. So like little like um a Formula Ford they take like um, a mini Cooper engine or like a four cylinder engine and you stick it in an open wheel race car. Like what you see a formula one car where the wheels are exposed, yeah. one person in a cockpit. Um, and <laughs> my dad decided that he wanted uh my dad's the character maybe is what the result of this podcast will be. But uh, <laughs> he decided he wanted me to know like, and my brother too, I guess how to, like control a car in all situations, whether you're out fooling around with your friends in a way you shouldn't be or, you know, in ice and snow. And he figured the best way to do that was to put us in racing school. Um, oh, OK. <laughs> all right. Uh, so that's what we did. Uh, and so we did How a little bit of How old were you when he put
0: you in racing school? Uh, Fifteen.
1: Fifteen. OK. Um, all right. And. Um, and then we kind of like decided that was a really expensive way to do things. And so we went to like a much cheaper version, which is like, you go to a parking lot with your car and they set out a bunch of cones and you drive it around and try not hit the cones.
0: Okay. Um, okay.
1: It was just, can, that either sounds fun or boring. Uh, <laughs> um, and it turns out it's a tremendous amount of fun and it costs you, I don't know, 50 bucks for the day. Um, right. And so that's how I kind of got into cars and the whole culture around cars. And so I went to school and built race cars in college. Um, okay. and then kind of was teasing this through and kind of was like, well, it seems like cars are dead or at least a dead end. turns out to be colossally wrong. Like 10 years later, we're still making amazing strides in combustion, internal combustion engines. But, um, and that led me to the aerospace side. I got to work on a jet engine and, you know, they stood me in front of the jet engine for an internship. Uh, and that was the most amazing thing I, you know, you are sitting there and you know, the thing is shaking your chest and you're, you know, hundred feet away from it and it's bigger than you are. And, and you say, I'm in control of that thing. And that, that's a pretty addictive thing to tell a, you know, a 19 year old. Okay. All right. <laughs> and so I went into aerospace, uh, engineering and that's what brought me out here. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, that's an engine and a form of combustion, a form of, you know, power and, and, and impressive machines and all that. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, still OK. But so we I, I sidetracked you because yeah. I was we're trying to get to what got you into the outdoors the way you are now. That's right. But we we went down the, the jet engine rabbit hole. So pull you back. What what got you into the outdoors? Uh, what was that? So, genesis? So, yeah, we had a cabin in the mountains, which was
1: good. And dad liked to do all sort of weird stuff. And so one summer he decided to do like the summer of survival. <laughs> and so he went and bought like an SOS, you know, military survival guide thing that teaches you how to catch rabbits and build lean twos and stuff like that. You're supposed to keep in your pocket. And so in our mountain cabin, we spent all summer like trying to create, you know, like fishing lure, fishing line out of, you know, the grass straw and start fires with our bare hands. So like that was maybe like and we were just outside a lot. You know, dad was always like, go play outside and outside was this this mountain habitat in the Sierra Nevadas that was fun. You know, okay. but dad's hobbies were all like motorsport driven. So I moved to Seattle, get here, realize like, oh, I don't have all my parents' toys. I don't have the money to afford all my parents' toys. I better find some new hobbies. Okay. <laughs> um, and so that combined with maybe like, I, you know, I was in a corporate environment and everyone here loves to be outside and a lot of people had moved to Seattle for this, like for the job. And so they also didn't have their outdoorsy hobbies. And so they, or they had gotten started because someone had said, Hey, throw this stuff in a backpack and come, come with me for the weekend. And you suffer through that. And that friend was kind enough to suffer, let you suffer along with them and not say like, Oh, you're going to slow us down. Uh, um, (laughs) and, and you just do that. And for, for 10 years and you become outdoorsy, I guess. Uh, Okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, And like, yeah, I I don't consider myself outdoorsy compared to like the next level of outdoorsy person, which I think maybe, I don't know if you you like, I'm not outdoorsy because you like bad room service, right? But
0: maybe. Bad room service is camping.
1: Exactly. That's right. But maybe you're outdoorsy compared to like someone that lives in New York City and they're like, wow, I could never do what you do. Right.
0: Probably not, to be fair. To be fair, probably
1: not. But I I understand what you're trying to say. (laughs) And so I have, yeah, next level. But then. Now with GearHouse, what I'm realizing is like, oh, I'm on a different level that could be intimidating to people new, right? Sure. Um, And I I don't recognize that because you don't look at yourself that way. Um, So I guess the summary is a bunch of people drug me along on their trips and allowed me to slow them down and learn how to do it while they tried to keep along. Um, (laughs) And, you know, you end up in uncomfortable situations. You go on those trips that your friend says is easy and it's the worst thing you've ever done. And. Then you like think I'm never doing this again while you're out there. And then you get home and think about it a little more and you can't stop thinking about it. And you're like, wow, that was amazing. And let's do that again. <laughs> or maybe the engineer in me is like, well, I can make that a lot better by doing this. And I'm like, well, how do you know it's going to work? Better try it. And you're like, oh, suddenly you're on another backpacking trip.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, so. All right. Well, there's and there's anyways. a big jump between being outdoorsy and going on backpack backpacking trips and launching a company <laughs> we got a long way to go down this path <laughs> yeah I mean so so all right so you move to Seattle you don't have your parents toys you you, you 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 tag along with some friends we have you ever before this did you ever think of yourself as entrepreneurial
1: no okay uh so my dad is an entrepreneur he, like ran his own business the whole nines. So. Turns out after starting a company or two of them, I guess, uh, and then looking at my family history, I realized that every one of my my dad's one of six, I think, six, and every one of them, none of them have corporate jobs except for one's a a lawyer. And even then, he's like not a corporate lawyer. He's like a family practice. So I guess it runs in the blood if if you believe that kind of thing. I don't really. Well,
0: Well, whether it runs in the blood or not family gatherings were full of entrepreneurial people. Yeah. So you were just exposed to their, their, you were exposed to it versus exposed to a family of, you know, corporate executives, if you will, you know, sure. I think the thing that's most into like
1: attractive, I guess, like if you, why did I decide to, I had an awesome career. I was having fun with it. Uh, it was like, I grew up playing a lot of high school sports, which I don't know. I think about high school sports as the strangest situation I can imagine. It's like all these people are working so hard for this thing that everyone knows, not everyone. A lot of people know, isn't gonna matter, right? No, one, like uh, I don't okay. know how I don't know how many people think that they're going to end up pro. My dad very made it clear that you're not ending up pro. <laughs> <laughs> like we're going to work very hard at this, no what, no idea why, but it was very I I played baseball in college a little bit. But okay. It was like a D three school. I was playing just a year. It's nothing special. I had a great experience. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Maybe that's how right. I ended up at Case Western. Also, I wanted to play baseball.
0: Okay. Um, All right.
1: But um, it's sports are interesting, right? It's like everybody shows up to practice. They work really hard, and like everyone's also working hard at school, or maybe you're not. And then it just ends, right? And then you go into the workplace after you work really hard in college. You go get a job and you work really hard for a few years and then people start having other priorities in life, right? Some people get mm-hmm. families, some people just want hobbies on the side, right? Some people want to get that promotion, some people just want to build something cool. And it suddenly feels like everyone's pulling for a different team and there's not this big like cohesive team or effort that everyone's pulling for the same thing. Okay. Uh, and so for me, if I'm missing that competitive and you can go play like intramural sports, but like that's more about having fun and blowing off some steam than it is about winning, which is great. And Mm -hmm. that took some getting used to being in the super competitive side. And so the adult version of high school sports, I would say is business. Uh, (laughs) you have to work really hard. Everything's against you. It's unclear why you're doing it. Well, except for you're doing it for money, maybe, or you're just doing it for just not to die. Right. Entrepreneurially die. Uh, and so that was kind of my mindset there it was like, well, if I want this like challenge, it's, Oh, I started to listen to um, how I, how I built this, mm-hmm. um, which is a podcast, a business podcast. Amazing. Yep. Um, first good. one I ever listened to was um, Yvonne Chouinard, which is the founder of Patagonia just by, cause that was what my friends did. And they're like, Oh, you got to listen to this guy. He's crazy. He just wanted to like go stick some pitons in Iraq and he built a whole business. Um, And I was like, Oh, this is cool. And so I just felt like, the lesson there is always like the chip. It's something will always happen where you think you're just gonna die, and the story is mostly about successes. So everyone always prevails for the most part. But it just sounds kind of awesome that everything's on the line. You have no idea how you're gonna get out of it. Your back's in a corner, and then you overcome it. Whether someone helps you, or you get some insight, or you just get lucky. I mean, you're always getting lucky in some way. And that sounded like the most fun that you could have with it. Money couldn't buy and i was like oh maybe we gotta try that or i was like addicted to that idea um
0: i love that man yeah i i love the comparison of saying business is like you know i'll call it a grown up version of high school sports i i love that idea that's a great comparison it really is yeah. so i was maybe
1: i was frustrated at work and i was and then the only question is like what do you want to spend way too – what do you want to like stress too hard about <laughs> work too hard about <laughs> what is important to you enough that you're going to trade almost everything else for it? Uh, And for me, I woke up one day and that was climate change. Uh, Okay. Which is interesting coming from this guy that's like grew up on motorsports and, you know, one, you know, jet engines and these things that burn colossal amounts of fuel. Uh, And I just, you know, I was watching a Greta Thunberg press conference and I, and I just looked around and I was like, what am I doing for the, about this problem? Um, Okay. And so that, that planted a seed and, over time you come up with a solution that you think is no one else has tried before. And you're like, well, I've been given this, you know, a fastball down the middle, maybe I better try and hit it. Right. Uh, And, uh, and so that's, that's, that's how it started. (laughs) That's how it started. Okay.
0: All right. Well, how long have you, how long is, how, wow. Words can be hard for me sometimes. How long ago did you start Gearhouse? When did it, when did you launch
1: Gearhouse? Oh, this is a answer question. I never really like what is the beginning. It's like yeah. almost like what's a, the origin of Gearhouse? <laughs> a philosophical question. You could put that on anything. You know, it's it's like okay. First, let's well maybe the hmm. so I I left my corporate job for a different company. I spent about a year doing that. Launched that into the teeth of the pandemic, and it was a to be product. So it had its fair share of problems for, cause it was trying to help small businesses and I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. So I made every mistake in the book. Um, even though I even people had told me not to make these mistakes and you still make them, you know? Um, <laughs> so that business was struggling a lot and I was running out of money. Uh, and that business was about sustainability. And so we were trying to, uh, the The initial thought question was, how can we get people to stop buying stuff? Um, okay. And then through a, a lot of different things, um, looking at my gear closet and realizing, like, you know, it's, what's kind of interesting about GearHouse is it's almost four products. And the more that I look at it, the more use cases I see for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those things all came to light in different ways. You know, I was thinking like, oh, I would like to go paddle boarding this summer. And, but I have too much stuff and I live in an apartment and I'm going to use it a couple times a year and where am I going to store it? And it's $300 and I don't, I just, I want it, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I look at opened up my storage closet one day to reorganize it and realize, Hey, there's $10,000 worth of equipment in here that sits in here for you know, 49 weekends of the 52 a year, which also I think a lot of like in the outdoor gear space, a lot of companies have seen this problem and tried to solve it in a lot of ways, Uh, you know, peer-to-peer sharing and things like that, that obviously haven't worked. Um, That doesn't mean they won't work. So that was interesting. And then thinking back to that story of like, okay, I moved to Seattle and I got lucky. Like, I was like, how does someone that works not in a corporate environment with these adventurous types get into the outdoors. Like how does, how do they do that? Right. And I look at all the gear that I own and I was like, well, I would buy that all completely differently if I had to do it again. Uh, okay. and I was thinking back to living in Truckee and like the whole community either thrives there around being outside and that community lives and breathes at, you know, the outdoor shops. Right. And, There's community hubs that you just be like, oh, you want to know something about mountain biking? You go over there, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you want to know something about rock climbing? You go over there. Mm -hmm. But in Seattle, you go to the climbing gym if you want to know about climbing. But if you want to know about backpacking, I don't know where you'd go. If you wanted to know about sailing, I'd know where you'd go. If you want to know about paddleboarding, I don't know where you'd go. Bikepacking, I don't know. And so we just found this kind of like hole of like, there's no social scene around the outdoors for the majority of outdoor sports. And there's a better way to buy gear and own gear, right? There must be a better way, you know, like, uh, and so that was kind of like what, the seed that planted Gearhouse, or the four seeds that, you know, the seed that planted Gearhouse, and then that's a year of thought, you know? So we started Gearhouse in that thought, first thought was December of 2020. Math uh, 2019. Yeah. Uh, okay. Didn't stop working the sustainability thing until like March of 21. Uh, learned how to do experiments on the business and test ideas through that like March to June to July phase. Decided to commit to a lease and signed a lease and moved in in September. And that's when I say Gearhouse started. That's when real money was being spent. Real customers were signing up and seeing the place real time and effort was being put into it.
0: So how has it been
1: received? It's received really well in some cases and really poorly in others. And that's Ah. really interesting. We have some, and that's maybe the highlight of my day is like when we get a customer that just gets it and sees it and sees the entire path without having Evan lay out the vision And me stumble through a sales pitch or whatever it takes to talk to them of like, okay, who is this person? What do they care about? What are we going to tell them? What features would I, should I start with? Mm -hmm. Um, when we get like, there's some people there that are just like, I can't believe this hasn't been done. Like, this is awesome. This is exactly what I want. And we have other people that are like, I don't understand why I'd ever do this. I'm just going to go buy the gear, including like my own aunt and uncle. They're like, I don't understand your business at all.
0: Uh, and that's awesome. And it's like, great. Like, uh, so all right i'm gonna put you on the spot i I want you to give me the sales pitch stumble through your sales pitch man what Uh, well i walk yeah let's uh, let's what is it you're delivering just let's walk through the the deliverable here uh there's
1: there's two basic sales pitches depending on whether you're i think you're outdoorsy already or whether i think you're not um where i'm gonna fall um for you That maybe you want to go outside every once in a while, right? You want you on a camping trip with bedroom service or you're at a new beautiful lake and you want to go kayaking, right? Mm -hmm. That's easy, accessible thing to go do. Yeah. Right. And and you say, okay, I want to go kayaking. And you're like, oh, I don't have any of this stuff. What am I going to do? And so you go, maybe you go to a a rental place. Like, have you done this? Um, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you like rental places? Not
0: particularly. Like why? I never felt like I knew the right questions to ask. Huh. Interesting. Cool. So it was always like I, I I don't know anything about kayaking. I think I want to go out and try it, but I don't know what to ask. See
1: so outdoors like kind of intimidating thing, like where you don't yeah. want to look like uh and it so we look at similarly, you know, other when we ask that question we get a few responses. That's a great one. We get other ones like, uh, oh, it's really, why is this so expensive? It's really expensive. Mm -hmm. The gear isn't very nice. You know, it's been beat up. It's all like over, you know, used poorly. Right. And most people will do that mental math. And then they'll be like, if they're really into it, I was like, well, I don't want to use crappy gear and I don't want to know nothing about it. I don't want to go pick it up and drop it off all the time. I'm just going to buy. Right. Because rental is often like 30 to 40% of the cost of buying. You're like, okay, if I do this three times, then it would be better for me to buy it. Right. And that was something that I never understood. And so I just wanted to see if I could do a better rental model. So Gearhouse houses, rentals reinvented. We struggle on go on convenience and there's no gate-kept knowledge. We're just going to help you. Our entire goal is to make rental so convenient that you don't want to buy because we don't sell a product. Okay. If we, if you want to buy, then we lose a customer. And so our goal okay. is to make rental the best thing that's ever happened to you. Um, and we do that with like customization. We focus on high-end gear. We'll spend the time to teach you how to use it because that's in our interest. Cause our gear is not designed to be like beat on, you know, it, it has mm-hmm. to be used properly or it will break. Um, okay. and so we spend, you know, sometimes up to an hour with folks of like, here's how this gear works. Like, here's how it use, here's how you use it. Here's put it together with you in the store. And then you so go you're have actually going to
0: help me not feel like a complete idiot if you will. Exactly.
1: Uh, Wherever okay. you're coming from, you could be starting from zero. You could be starting from 50. You could be starting from 98. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're starting from 98, then I'm going to talk to you and be like, oh, you have all your gear and now you have two problems. One is like you just want a place to hang out with other people that like hanging out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so GearHouse is a bar really is what it okay. is. And so you come in with your friends to go back on Thursday. You're working a crazy week. You want to go back breaking this weekend, but you have four to five hours of planning to do to get it done. Mm -hmm. Then you got to figure out who has what gear, you know, like, (laughs) oh, does anyone have a cooler? Who has a cooler? Oh, John's got a cooler. I was like, oh, I heard Scott has a tent. Well, maybe Scott can loan us a tent. Uh, And I was like, well, what if you were just in one spot and you could just have everybody bring what they had and you could lay it all out. And -hmm. then instead of wondering like, oh, Jeff didn't show up right now and he has the stove. Uh, Hey, Evan, Gearhouse, you guys got a stove? And there, you're done, right? And you're like, oh, we want to go backpacking this weekend. Like We've been to these parks. We've never been to the North Cascades. You got any cool place to go? And you're sitting next to somebody right there, and they're like, oh, let me tell you about the cool place that I love in the North Cascades, right? Right? And your job is done in an hour. Uh, You have all the gear. You're packed. You're ready to go, and off you go. And you'll be going outside more often with people you like. Maybe Jeff that loaned you the stove wants to come with. Uh, and now you've got a new friend and you had a great time. Like WTA is awesome, right? I love WTA. Mm -hmm. It's the last thing I want to do on a Friday night, trying to plan a backpacking trip for Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we can just like help to parse all that information, um, for the people that already are outdoorsy.
0: And, and people are, you're finding people are are kind of getting this now they're, you're starting to, I mean, you, like you said, there's two, two folks, but the people that get it, get it
1: so we don't have the beer license yet and so we're struggling to that part of the product to take some vision for people to see um, okay sometimes right and so sometimes the outdoors are people like oh i don't know but what we do then is like we do a ski waxing night every thursday bring your skis in we have all the tools it makes a mess if you've never done it it's really messy (laughs) Uh, and your dog's eating the wax and it's (laughs) you're stepping in it and it's like this like, if you do it once and you basically probably decide this isn't worth it, it was fun, but I'm not going to do that again. If you have a garage, maybe you keep doing it, right? <laughs> um, so for people like that, we are like, that's how we operate as a social space is like when we're operating ski waxing night, like tonight we'll go. Um, um, so that part of the business, like some people see, some people don't. Um, and the outdoorsy people will say like, oh, I have all the gear I need, right? Um, okay. When, if we hang out with, with them for long enough what often happens not always but often um is they'll see some they'll realize they have something that would be better right so like i have all my own gear and there are ways that i would upgrade it if i knew how to or like if i was willing to spend another 200 bucks but i have one it's good enough it's fine but like sometimes you have a 3 person tent and you want a 1 person tent but you're not going to go buy a 1 person tent Right. And so that use case, or you need a bear canister, right? And you're like, oh, I have the small one, but we're going on a big trip. It'd be nice to have the bigger one. So that kind of customization and tailoring of your gear, um, right. is when we kind of, so, but that isn't how people think right away. And my theory is that you just have to not think about all the things you want. Otherwise you just go buy them. Right. <laughs> so you convince yourself that you don't need it. Uh,
0: but I'm on your website. Uh, huh. And I'm looking at all your events. Go. Cool. And I, I got a couple of, you know, questions. So you're offering on Mondays. You're doing, yeah. You you're kind of opening up for co-working. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. that's got, community building.
1: Yeah, it's good. Uh, we are there working all the time. You can join us.
0: Okay. Now I I'm about to open one I haven't read yet, so I'm going to click on it. Meet the canine love of your life all right how often do you run that's a one-off event a dating service for dogs i guess how's that uh,
1: yeah but <laughs> to be fair it's not the dogs that are dating each other it's humans and dogs um right. well that that also that's, happens yes. next monday on february 14th and also known as valentine's day to people yeah. that haven't realized that's coming
0: up yet um, <laughs> um, and this will be published after that. So, Hey, if you haven't realized it, it's wait till next year. You kind of blown it. You, kind of blown it. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, that's a one-off event. That was something fun okay. that
1: we came up with and we thought, Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Like we love dogs in the space. We know that uh-huh. dogs are a big part of being outdoors for a lot of people. Um, okay. and shelters are always looking for ways to meet new people. And so it was kind of a way that we could use our space which we love doing. So like right. for groups that don't have a way to get spaces or organize events, we love hosting them and like, come through your event at our space. Like we're an event space for other outdoor groups, marginalized or not, whatever your story is like, let's talk. Um, okay. And so we do all sorts of stuff like that. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got a full
0: calendar here, man. You're doing something literally every day. And we would multiple but times. we would also
1: day. love GearHouse to be a, um, kind of have that random interaction too. Right. And okay. so like, We would love for people to just like stop in and there would be other people also hanging out that you would then get to meet them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's tough to do that when we're not running an event and we're running an event, sometimes it's tough to meet other people because the event is happening. Um, And so we want to run the events in addition to just like, you want to come in, look at the maps, have a beer after work um, as well. So that part of the product is like still coming in. So how big is your space? It's 1,800 square feet. Okay. Um, which is both big and small at the same time. <laughs> um, and, th- and I didn't know what that looked like until because I was thinking like house prices and, you know, or house sizes. And I was like, okay. oh, yeah, that's a nice size house. Like, what does that mean for a business? Turns out it's probably one of the smaller businesses you've been in. Um, you know, it wasn't like that's, an ice cream shop, but.
0: Um, right. But it's not, you're not rattling around in 60,000 square foot warehouse space. No. Uh, and okay. so
1: what's cool is we just like, We fill it up with gear and then it's, it's full and then it's outdoor gear. So we figure out a new way to pack it and it's all quite condensed. Um, so then it, you know, the first time we opened up and people come in and be like, is this all the gear you have? (laughs) And I'd be like, Hey man, this is like $10,000 worth of gear. (laughs) It just doesn't look like much because it's designed to fit in a backpack. (laughs) Right. Uh, now we don't have that problem, but initially it was definitely like a little bit of a,
0: a shock. Um, so, what type of activities, uh, you know? Okay, I'm looking here. First of all, what's a
1: split board? A split board. Great question. Uh, it is what it sounds like. It's
0: a snowboard that splits into two pieces. And so, skis? Yep. I'm sorry. yeah you know, Exactly. Is the non-outdoor guy. You're, no. Nope. You're, sorry, you got to put up with the. That's great. I'm yeah. on the zero on your scale now. You yep. got to help me out. Here. No, there's
1: that's there's no dumb questions. Um, we think well, it's no, just they, a I can make thinking. dumb questions. Nah, 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 nah. Not possible. Not in the outdoor space, at least. Um, okay. There, a split board is a, a snowboard that turns into skis so that you can walk uphill on them um, mm-hmm. because you need you need to be able to like move your legs independently to go uphill instead of hopping on a snowboard. So it splits okay. into two pieces. You put a piece of carpet, you glue a piece of carpet to the bottom, and then you set up your snowboard bindings more like ski bindings. More like cross-country ski bindings, so the toe is attached and the heel isn't, so it lifts. And you can then slide... The carpet on the bottom makes it so the the ski doesn't slide backwards. It only goes forwards on snow. Okay. You'll use that to go uphill to wherever you want to go, and you'll get Mm -hmm. to the top, and you take the carpet off, called skins. You take the bindings off, snap the board back together, snap the bindings onto the board like a snowboard, and you ride all the way down. Um okay. and that's called backcountry touring, um backcountry skiing for the skiers and splitboarding for the snowboarders. Um and it's a way for you to get the most amazing powder run of your life. It's a way for you to another analogy to like everyone cares and the reason isn't like everyone's pulling on the same weight is backcountry skiing. Uh another like one of my favorite hobbies of all time and you are out in snow country you are managing your own risk and choosing your own routes and managing avalanche risk, right? So avalanches are a forecasted thing. They sound Mm -hmm. scary. They are a thing that you can manage, but they are deadly if you get it wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. And Washington is quite an amazing place to do this sport and activity because the snowpack is quite stable. And if you're educated and smart about it, you can manage that risk very well. But Mm -hmm. some of the most rewarding days is you go out and you talk with, you never go alone. Because you can't dig yourself out of an avalanche if you do have one happen. So you always go in a team and you're having a discussion throughout the day of like, here's what we're seeing. Here's what we think the forecast is. Here's where we think avalanches might happen. Here's where they not. And some person says, Hey, I'm no longer comfortable with this. And you're like, okay, we're going to do something different, or we're going to turn around and everyone's going to get back to the parking lot, whether you had an amazing run or whether you just got out for a hike, you get back to the end of the day and everyone's alive and everyone goes back to their families. And that is success. It doesn't matter whether you got a ski run or not. It's, mm-hmm. And so I describe backcountry skiing to people of like, if we're going to take somebody out, was like, this is a day of hiking mm-hmm. followed by one ski run. It is not a day of skiing. Uh, and if you come and do it with okay. a day of skiing expectation, you're going to be disappointed. If you come in with like hiking expectation, it'd be the best hike you've ever done. Um, gotcha. And you'll there's no lawyer telling you where to go and saying like, hey, this is safe. We designed this for you you have to manage yourself and so everyone wants to go home alive and so everyone's like on board with that and i think that's the biggest high you can get in a day um and i am 100 percent into it uh, okay so that's what a split board is um so right. maybe, maybe to your point like you're looking at a list of thousands of items right or sports yeah
0: um, there's a lot of stuff here man
1: um so the other part of like what is Gearhouse and what are the products is We have a variety of everything. We specialize in variety. We specialize in high performance gear so that you can have the nicest of anything. And you will know whether you like a sport, not because you will never think you don't like a sport because you didn't have the right gear for it, right? We're going to start somebody at the expert level of whatever they're trying to do. And so like when you're backpacking, if you're new and you go have bad gear, that gear is three times heavier than if you have really great gear, right? Right, But it costs right. you $2,000. No one wants to spend $2,000 before they know if they like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of choices you have to make along that way to, of like different preferences. And so GearHouse has almost one of each preference and will help you set up the kit for what you're doing so that it's perfect. If we our backpacking kits are nine pounds, for example, like an okay. a standard backpacking kit, the first time you put them together will be like 30 pounds. Right. Wow. And then you have okay. to add food and water and, and some things on top of that. And so nine pound pack is what people carry around all day. You can hike all day. Right. But a uh, 30 pound pack, you're like, you know, it hurts your shoulders. You're going to be a little miserable. You'll be sore. Some people like that and some people hate that, right? <laughs> yeah, I
0: would I mean the I hate that crowd. <laughs> right.
1: And so like, why, why do we have to add that in if it's going to eliminate half of the people that might like it anyways uh, before it even got a fair chance?
0: One of the things is I'm scrolling through here and I'm looking at, at what you guys are offering. And now remember, you know, I'll just remind you yet again that I am an indoors guy. Yeah. And I am seeing I am seeing some things here that just I think are cool. And and those things are like do, 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 do. trail running kit comes with trail snacks. I like food. Your backpacking comes with. Um, a wine bag, okay. You're making it fun here. We've got stoves. We've but you're coming. You're you're sending people with coffee. Yeah, gotta you're, have. You're coffee. a great company. You're a great company. You 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 should be celebrated for sending people out in the wild with coffee. I just applaud you for that. There's a lot of bad ways to make coffee in the
1: backcountry. I can tell you. Uh, okay, and we make sure. So, that what's
0: your favorite way to make coffee in the backcountry?
1: Uh <laughs> I think my favorite way to make coffee is that is it's, very similar to a drip. It doesn't work very well, but it's kind of a cool contraption that you pull out and everyone's like, what is that? Uh, so it's this like, it's this, uh, I'm going to describe this for a podcast. Uh, it looks like a little spaceship. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it has, um, it has a, a filter on the top that's made out of metal mesh. So there's no like disposable filter and you put the coffee mm-hmm. grounds in there and then you open up these like these spring legs on the side so that it sits on oh. top of your camp cup. Uh, and then you boil water with your stove and you pour it over the top. It's okay. just, it's a pour over. Um, okay. And there's reasons why we don't send people out with that, but I like it that way. Uh,
0: have you ever taken an AeroPress out? Are you familiar it's with popular. AeroPress? Uh, we've, I've yeah. never
1: done it, but it's lightweight plastic. It's a little mm-hmm. bulky, but it's quite popular.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I've never done it. Well, it's interesting because like you can put your coffee inside the AeroPress to to, like save a little space, if you will. And uh, if you you can use a stainless steel filter or paper filters, but paper filters are fine. Uh, Yeah, it's just like you're
1: always managing trash in the background. So it's like the grounds are the problem. So the way we send people is with instant coffee and everyone's about to like spit their coffee out when they hear that. Right. There's like 20 or 30 different types. And we have one that we found tastes. We have two. We have one if you like black coffee. It's an instant coffee. It dissolves. So it makes no mess. It smells. The grounds smell awful. Don't smell the grounds.
0: <laughs> you're selling it, man. Come on out. <laughs> and then you pour it in. You're, you're, you're and a salesman. It, it
1: tastes like coffee. Like. So what brand is that? It's called instant uh, Alpine start. I think it's called Alpine start. Um, and okay. we buy it in bulk um and Uh then we just ask you how like you how many days you're going out for and how strong you like your coffee and we give you the little packets that are the right size for that Um,
0: okay and so that's if you like black coffee
1: what's if you like milk in your coffee um Uh we give you something else which is i don't know the name of it off the top of my head it's oh well we can put in the show notes or something. It's by Laird Hamilton, who's this surfer out in um, Hawaii, big guy, big surf guy.
0: Oh, I think I know. Uh,
1: Uh, Yeah, I can't think of the name either, but I think I know what you're talking about. And he has his own like superfood brands, which I didn't realize when I bought it. And it's like this like coconut infused instant coffee. And Mm -hmm. it is a pretty good cup of like hazelnut cream and coffee, coffee mix um, that is great for the backcountry. Also, you know, um, make zero waste because it all ends up um,
0: through your digestive system. Uh, so the thing, the thing is, I'm scrolling and what I, what I'm observing though to me is, I mean, car camping. You, it's got you're you're sending them with you know lots of things, but you're sending them with bug repellent and sunscreen. You're 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 sending them out with things that will make for a better day. Yeah, a little a little more thoughtful instead of here's your paddleboard, go and burn yourself and be miserable. You're sending them with, with attention to detail. I like that you, a lot. You That's said great. earlier,
1: like, I don't know what questions to ask. We know mm-hmm. what questions you're not asking. Yeah. Yeah. See, I like that. Yeah. And it doesn't, we, we buy it in bulk. It's like, you know, sunscreen's $10 a tube. Like you use maybe like 20 cents of it every time you mm-hmm. use it. We just like fill up a tube for you and, and you take it, you know? And it's like, right. why why do we have to sell you a disposable bottle when we can just buy it in bulk? And like sunscreen's weird because everyone's got different skin, and they like different stuff. Sure. But like, if you don't care and you're just looking for like to not get burned, then we got something right. for you.
0: It's just something to take the edge off, if you will. I mean, you know, in that sense, you know, so I'm not out there. So. So so, yeah. so I'm just going to re, re, you know, split boarding, trail running, backpacking, mountaineering, stand up paddleboard, car camping, lawn games. And then you've got a lot of miscellaneous inventory here.
1: And honestly, like that inventory was probably written in November, right? We're three months past that. And we have a whole host of new stuff from mountaineering tents to crampons, ice axes, something called a whippet, which is like an ice axe and a and a trekking pole built into one. So kind of like a it's a mini ice axe and a and a bad trekking pole, Um, but it's incredibly useful in snow. Um, Roof boxes that might be you know we do like a roof box bike racks backpacking bags, like bikepacking bags, dry bags, like split boards, you mentioned all the different types of beacons. And like our goal isn't to not have all of one model. We want to have a variety. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we give you infinite choice. And then we also take maybe like, I don't know if this will come up naturally. is like, we just set the prices as simply as possible. Right. Okay. Um, And so we pretty much are a flat pricing model. We are for a standard set of days. You can bring it back early but it's not going to save you any money. And we just mm-hmm. want that to be convenient. Like come back when it suits your schedule, not because you're worried about getting charged.
0: So let's talk pricing. Then. Yeah. Let's just, that was, you, you, you transitioned it and I just made it, I made it bumpy there, but let's, so let's talk of this, the pricing model that you guys have. Cause it's, it's a little, to me, it seems. Yeah. I don't know, man. It just seems pretty interesting that how you, how you have this all set up. So why don't you go ahead and elaborate on that? So, we talked a little bit about how you go into a rental shop
1: and it seems like it's going to be cheap when you look online. Um, and then you go in and and by the end of it, you somehow you've spent way more than you thought you were going to spend. And you wish you just would have bought. Mm -hmm. Um, and so all those little things, sunscreen, headlamps, things that don't come with a rental, those all add up. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and we want you to just like, be like, just have that mental trade of, do I want to go backpacking? It's going to cost me. 70 bucks and there's no mystery to it that's the price it's right up front and then you're like the next weekend you're like i want to go kayaking also 70 bucks Mm -hmm. right that's like we operate under that simple for just the rental side of things it gets even better where the more you use it if you're using us a lot for all of your gear needs then the membership makes a ton of sense and then it's well Fuzzy on the numbers off the top of my head. I think it's $70 a month is like our top tier membership gets you exactly every piece of gear that we have in stock. It's not per item. It's per adventure. You're going on adventure. Mm-hmm. We're going to toss all these things in the bag, ask you some questions about what you're doing. Make sure you have the right stuff and you're going to go out.
0: And for members. So if I wanted to go help me out here, let's say I wanted to go split boarding. Yep. We- you're going to throw all those things. You know, here's here's what you need, Scott. And that's 70, that, that, that's no, I, I paid my 70 for the month. So the first weekend I go out and I want to go split boarding, boom, all the gear. Yep. And we say, bring it back to us six within six days. Right. Okay, great. So I, I bring it back and I go, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I got a chance to go, you know, camping with some friends. Can you guys help me out? I need a tent, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, Once again, it's included in that, that monthly fee. Yep. And say you came yeah, that's back, pretty cool.
1: say you say you came back splitboarding, and you're like, you know, this, this gear was great, Evan, but you know, this, this part was like rubbing on my ankle funny or like, I didn't like how it rode in the snow, you know? And you're like, mm-hmm. if imagine you've bought that, you spent $2,000 and you find this thing that you don't like about it. We take right. a little jot, a note down in Scott's file and Scott comes back three weeks later. He went splitboarding, went camping. Now he wants to go splitboarding again. We mm-hmm. know that Scott didn't like splitboard x and we were going to give him splitboard y this time um, okay and so you get a different yeah. one and we just know that and so the more that you come out with us the more we know your preferences the more and then you can just like yeah, you're building a profile of of
0: my yeah
1: at some point maybe you decide that your life simple flies down and you're like great i've done all the things i've experienced all of seattle what has to offer and i'm moving to denver and all they have out there is skiing uh and so i'm just going to own a splitboard. Let's say it was in Seattle. Maybe you just decide you only like split boarding, right? Mm-hmm. At that point, you might decide to buy or you might like that we have three different types of split boards for the different types of snow conditions and you stay a member um, or you drop so, into the social scene um,
0: membership, which is right. the lower. Yeah, members. there's the social scene. Yeah. Let me ask you this question, though. I mean, so I you, you you send me out with this gear and I break something hmm what happens? Uh,
1: it doesn't happen very often. Um, okay. Because... But I'm, I, I'm me, you're so I'm going to break stuff. You're going to break this. stuff. Yeah. Yep, stuff breaks. We know that. Um, yeah. It really determines... Uh, we basically try and figure out if we think you were negligent and if it was avoidable or if it was wear and tear and that was just to be expected, right? You know, something okay. freak happened. You're, you know... I don't know. There was... hard hard with this football. A snapped board. a binding. I snapped I a binding. Say. And it's like, well, do we think that you were like... <laughs> you know, standing on top of a car, you know, and like doing something, you know, doing something you shouldn't have been doing, or were you treating the gear? And that's like, that's life. Right. Right. Um, And we're pretty forgiving in that case. I mean, one, we repair a lot of stuff, so we're good at it. Okay. Well, we will become good at it because it hasn't happened to us very often. Um, okay. But like, I I am an engineer and fixing stuff is my nature. (laughs) 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 Um, and so we fix it. Uh, and if it, we have to, if it degrades the performance, then, uh, we'll find someone that will love it in its damaged state. Um, and, but it's not ending up in the trash. Um, and if it is broken and we do think it was your fault and you tell us about it, then usually we just say 50% of the repair cost off just because we don't want to send gear out with somebody broken that they're relying on. And so we really try and make Mm -hmm. sure it's in your best interest to tell us, um, Sure. And then we can repair it. And that's just part of it goes. But small stuff, you know, Nick's in the board. We, re- we were at the ski waxing night. We fill boards with p Like, that's just part of the job, you know? Like, it's fun, and we just do it, and it's no big deal. Uh, yeah.
0: Thing I, The thing that I find intriguing about the model is, is all right, we all like, well, not all of us, but some of us like to bike gear. Yeah. Like, okay, some of us like to bike gear. And... Whatever you're into that gear probably ends up sounded like a great idea to buy this new digital camera, let's say, and it ends up on my shelf and I don't use it very often because I take my iPhone with me everywhere. Blah, blah, blah. So I like the idea of not buying stuff, but still having access to it. I like the, the, The Airbnb nature of it, I guess. I mean, that's a bad comparison, but I'm on the spot. But I like the idea that I could go to you and say, hey, this weekend I'm going to go do X and I don't have to worry about if I've got this stuff. I can just rent it for a a reasonable fee. And I don't have it cluttering up my closet at my house because I went out and bought it and used it once. Now, if I totally get into something, split boarding, yeah, maybe I'll go out and buy a split board. Sure, maybe I will. But... If I'm just thinking, yeah, it was fun. I tried it a few times. I'll be really glad I didn't buy a board.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So I like, I like this concept because it's, it's, it's also, I think it's, there's an environmental component to it here where, you know, we're not all buying stuff that we pile into our closets and just, yeah, that was unnecessary. That's
1: yeah. How do you not buy stuff? The only, there's very few sustainable things you can buy, right? Like they're all advertised as sustainable, but. For the most part, like our emissions in the United States are coming from power plants and heating factories and homes, right? And so Mm -hmm. that means manufacturing is one of the biggest causes of it. And you can't just tell people to like stop, like I learned this over a year, you can't say stop buying stuff, right? Like they have a need for that in some way, either it's like a think they have a need or they actually have the need, right? And mm-hmm. so the only way you're going to have somebody stop buying stuff is to give them a compelling alternative.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, so it's like, like cars in, in the city, let's say Seattle, back in the day it was zip car. And then, you know, now it's Uber. You don't need to own a car because you can get, you can get somebody to give you a lift from point A to point B yeah. once a week. If that's what you, you know, if you, if you live, I don't know capitol hill that's where i live you can walk to the girl you can walk to the grocery store you can walk to the coffee shop you can walk to your your favorite your favorite bar if you're working from home you don't need a car i it, you know we love our cars you know i, I do but you don't need one but you got to give me a compelling reason not to have one and then the Same, problem in I think seattle like,
1: is is that everyone wants to get outside right so like most people i know that live in the city have a car strictly for weekend adventures right gearhouse can be a solution to that too right it's like come down to gearhouse figure out who's going there anyways and and go on their trip now obviously that's not exactly. going to work every time but it could work a lot of times
0: it's sure. goal. It, it, yeah no i think i think being thoughtful and and purposeful in, in in how you're presenting this stuff is is wonderful i think it's very cool but let, let me let me let me go back to the community building part of it. So what's your vision for this? What, what do you hope it looks like say a year or two from now? We want to be like the go-to
1: space for knowledge and friends. You're new to town and you like getting the outdoors Gearhouse is the place you are going to go. You need some gear and you don't know what to buy. We'll tell you what you need for your use case. Even if you're not going to become a mentor member and try our stuff out, we just want okay. to be the default option for going outside beforehand like a third place for outdoorsy people is our ideal Mm -hmm. state like if you need a place to go you're outdoors you're like what am i going to do tonight let's go hang out at your house and see if they're watching the olympics tonight Uh, or see like see who's around and who wants to like plan a trip this weekend like that is really our vision uh for like where we end up um yeah
0: so what's what currently are you open seven days a week? What's the kind of what's the availability
1: like? Yeah, so that's maybe where the rubber meets the road or the stick in the mud. Maybe at the moment that's about to be solved okay. is um, we're okay. open by appointment, uh, and okay. we're open for events. So I have okay. a full time job, which is how I fund the business, um, and so we have a calendar that syncs up with all my work calendars. I live four minutes from gear house and you can tell me that I need to be there in 45 minutes or less. Um, okay. Ideally you tell all me right. a couple of days in advance, but you know, <laughs> we've had all sorts of interactions in that. So that's been fun. Um, and then we're open for events and now we're doing enough gear pickups and we have enough members that like now I am there four or five times a day. Uh, maybe more, maybe less. And so now I mostly am doing my full-time job from, you know, like remotely from a laptop. Um, right. So I, I work remotely from, there from the works from, from the Gearhouse house build. That's right. And now also okay. we're hiring our first person, um, and they are starting in a couple of weeks. So that will help out a ton where they will be full-time on hand. Um, so that will allow okay. even more drop in capability. Um, okay. but we're running, I think 23 events in February, so like we're also open most evenings uh and it's awesome that's awesome yeah man. it's great
0: yeah that's awesome yeah. so what uh, I, these now we're gonna shift into some of my 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 go-to questions that i loved i love just to love to ask people i can sense that i can sense the like sensation in your in your voice yeah what
1: what hasn't gone like you thought it would oh man <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's the other thing of like, you know, when you're in high school sports, you know, a plan always seems good in your head, you know, and then right. and then the other team does something, you know. What's the line of like, every plan falls apart at the first sign of the enemy or something like that?
0: Well, what did Mike Tyson say? You know, every, oh, everyone's yeah. got a plan until they get exactly. punched in the face. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so how is how have you been punched in the face with Gearhouse? How's that? Um,
1: it's we are finding it is very tough to like everyone's tired of subscriptions right and that's okay and people are not used to the idea that renting doesn't have to suck um okay and so convincing people that there's a different way to do it and that it's going to be awesome and that you should trust this weird guy that shows up at this weird place in this back alley is (laughs) been been a journey you know like i'm so thankful for my first customer who came from a sign that we put up in SBP and she called me and she had signed up before even talking to me, which was only started happening again recently. Uh, (laughs) And, and then it's been funny to talk to her after when she's like, did I just get scammed? Is this guy actually going to do what he says he's going to do? And it's been an awesome relationship the whole way through. Um, Okay, But finding people like her has been really tough finding people before they own all the gear uh, finding people when they, just before they need the gear and they're like, Oh, I'm not going to walk into ARIA, you know, some other business. Um, right. And then like before catching you before, I guess the other thing is like everyone, like capitalism is like really good at not having you feel the full cost of stuff, you know? And so like, you'll look at the price online. Like we said, everyone has this experience where like you look at the price and then at the end of the day, you feel like you bought a different product. Right. And so Mm -hmm. when you compare us to those low prices that, you know, maybe you have to experience the gotchas before you realize that we're a good deal, um, in some ways. So that's been kind of interesting to watch that pan out. Um, finding people and, and having them understand has always been tougher than I ever would have thought. I'd be like, it's a good deal. Like, can't everyone see that's a great deal? And it turns out like, uh, well, no, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot that goes into that purchasing decision for people, um, and how they do that and that's been interesting to to learn um maybe not the like some guy came along and you know stole a bunch of money from us or something like that which everyone's been pretty wonderful in that respect but um okay yeah well yeah i didn't even think about that yeah somebody checks out and then checks out yeah well yeah that's never happened never come even come close to that um and the other Yeah. And the counter of that is like when we get people that come in and they're kind of skeptical and they're kind of negotiating and, and then maybe they see like, Oh, I don't know. Some people say our website's really slick and they're like, Oh, I expect this to be some big corporation. And then it's just some guy in a garage. Uh, and then hopefully they're really thrilled at the end of it. And they said, wow, that was incredible. Like, what did I just experience? Uh, I would like to do that again. Um, and that's where we really, um, that's like the best day ever. Uh, as well um i think the other big like thing that we struggle with a little bit is like your house is so many different products to so many different people like each one could be a business and i love all of them
0: uh (laughs) and so it's like which one underneath that outdoor umbrella you could just be like a like a camping rental place could be a guide company we could be
1: like a social network where you know like we could be so many things and like do mm -hmm. we highlight the gear aspect do we highlight the community aspect what do people want in that moment when they're trying to decide whether they should spend some money or not um or Mm -hmm. get out of their house whatever that decision is and so like figuring out whether we promote the events first on the website or to somebody or whether we highlight how much gear we have um it's kind of been a, a tricky journey for sure um
0: well, the events, are they, how in your, are, are the, are the events successful in your opinion? Are you starting to see, <laughs> are people getting out and being social now, is, you know, given the pandemic and all of that? So how's, how is the events being received? Uh, that's, again,
1: interesting. Um, some events completely flop. You know, we have no one to attend. And some events, we have okay. 20, 30 people show up. Uh, and it does, we found no rhyme or reason to that. Um, you know, maybe it rains that night. Maybe it's a Monday, you know, maybe we learned like what most bars know about the holidays, right? Like, uh, so there's been a lot of things like that. Then there's like, is it an Omicron surge? Is it, uh, you know, like there's so many reasons that could, that are beyond our control, not our fault that. Then make our data of like, oh, should we run that event again or not? Like, I don't know. Was it just random? Was it a fluke? Like what? So like we went through a phase. We opened in September. That's when people were kind of like Delta was coming up, but people weren't totally aware of it. And we, so people was clear, like we weren't going to just be like over with it. And so Mm -hmm. we had some good events and then we had Delta come on real strong or maybe Delta was tapering. I don't really remember. And then we had the holidays and then. So like December, we had some amazing events, um, ski waxing, and we really figured out some, some tricks, um, and we're having an awesome time. Uh, and then the holidays hit, killed a lot of momentum Omicron went nuts, killed even more momentum. And now we're in mid February and we're still not like, are we still like people not showing up because of Omicron? Is it just February and it's dreary outside? Is it, you know, people are traveling, you know? So that's what also makes the events thing hard to tell of like. Um, it's more random than like the gear is a concrete need. People have a need for mm-hmm. it. They have friends going that's happening. They can't just, you know, like that's more, a more steady thing um, right. as well. When you're not doing your day job, when you're not running gear house, <sighs> we're talking about a very small slice of time now. <laughs> so it should be an easy question. Then. What do you do with your time? <laughs> um, I am a huge addict of backcountry touring. Completely love it. Okay. It took me four years to get started in it because the gear was so expensive. I didn't want to spend the money and there was no good way to try it. Turns out that it's my favorite hobby of all time. And I wasted four years not doing it. So that was a big inspiration for Gearhouse. Where's a great place to go for that? That's what makes Washington so amazing, right? It's like there's not one pass, there's three, four, five, depending on how far you want to drive. I think there's a lot of them. Yeah. Mount Baker. Backcountry has great variety. You can take steep stuff. You can take new people out there. It's no big problem. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Rainier is also quite interesting. Um, You know, you can go up to Camp Muir, which is base camp for the summit, which I think is kind of, is like a nice entry level way to go, but it's not something I try and do often because I just think there's like more interesting things to do there, Um, which I also didn't discover until just last year uh, because someone was like, yeah, we could do that, but why don't we do this other thing? And I was like, I never even thought there was anything else you could do. And I was like, oh, might have yeah. discovered that at Gear House. Um, <laughs> but I think Mount Baker, if I'm willing to make the drive, is is amazing. Um, I think okay. I would go backcountry skiing by myself if I could do it in a safe way, which you can't. Okay. Um backpacking is an interesting opposite in that I totally love backpacking. Think it's the greatest thing ever. We'll never do it alone. I will do all the planning, okay. all the work for my friends. I will put, you know, packs on your back. You just have to show up. I will do that every okay. all day long, but going alone, I did once. And I said, yeah, that wasn't really my style. Um, all right. And then, um, I really love like multi-pitch sport climbing. Um, and so, and then I, and then like bouldering in a gym. So I'm kind of a gym rat. Uh, okay. I love, the social scene of how a bouldering gym works. I think it's like a great place to hang out with your friends. It's not like a rope gym where it's one, you know, it's a pair of people. So you get to hang out with a bunch of people. You just, it's concentrated. You're working on the hard part of a problem. It's super supportive. Everyone's upbeat. No one's, you know, smack talking you on the wall. It's all just like the most amazing experience. Um, and then multi-pitch sport, I think is just an adventure. Uh, if you don't know what that means, uh, Let's see, sport climbing means that the bolts have been put in the wall by someone else, so they they exist before you get there. Um, okay. You don't have to, like, drill a hole in the rock or put, put something in a crack to hold you up. Um, and then multi-pitch means you're going in multiple legs, much like backpacking is to hiking. You know, you go up one length of rope, haul your partner up, and then go up another length. So you're kind of, like, leapfrogging okay. up the wall. And I just think, like, the planning that, you know, if something goes wrong in the middle pitch, you have to know what you're doing. Like you get this tremendous reward because there's nobody else up there, you know, and I think that's
0: just like heaven on earth. Um, So I'm noticing what I think is like a a common thread here is that you, that engineering mindset, you like to solve problems. (laughs) You like to, you want to be challenged. You're you're not, I mean, just the way you just described that is like, you know, very, very analytical yeah. to me that you're, you know, so I like okay. to manage risk and
1: solve problems. Right. All like right. You, you can get yourself in some serious trouble in those things. You can also tow the line. You can either operate with people that like to toe the line and are always like in kind of sketchy situations. or you can be like me where I'm like, I never want to be in a sketchy situation and I'll work very hard to not end up there. Um, mm-hmm. but I know that it could happen if I don't get the preparation right. Uh, and okay. so I like that. And I, and then you have like another person involved and you have to agree with that person and come to an agreement. And I think like solving problem by yourself. Sure. Okay. Solving problem with another person. Amazing. Right. I played team sports and that's what I'm missing. Uh, yeah.
0: So we talked about instant coffee earlier. Are you a coffee fan? Oh yeah.
1: I, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get by two jobs without it. I think. <laughs>
0: well some people try i I actually didn't drink
1: coffee until after grad school somehow i got through all of grad school never drinking a drop uh Uh, what uh i i mean i just had flexible (laughs) schedule and i would sleep when i needed to uh and i'd be like i'm tired i'm gonna go take a nap and that was part of like where's evan oh he's gone you just like fall asleep you know like harder to do that in the middle of the office i guess uh but It's, it's
0: frowned upon by management typically. Yeah, too, that's you know? right.
1: But when it's your fellow grad student and they're also like, they just, I never had my head, I never slept on my desk, but that was also part of the norm. <laughs> so I, I arrived in, oh, I had a rough introduction to coffee though, because uh, I oh, came into sure. the office and my first, as a mechanical engineer, I spent my whole career trying to avoid electrons in any, in any way, shape or form. Programming, hated it. Electrical engineering hated it. Uh, and the huh? first thing they put me on was um, testing computer software. Uh, and they said, we need to do this. And it was really important at the time to a manager. And so the team was working six days a week. And my boss like had a family, so he would get in at five in the morning and leave at six at night. Uh, and I was coming out of grad school where I didn't wake up before nine. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> I had to be there when he was there because I didn't know what I was doing. And so it was really helpful to have them there. And so I had to get in at five and I was like, I better figure out this coffee thing because my body is not operating here. <laughs> so I go up to the coffee machine and there's two coffee pots next to each other. And I, I, I grab a cup uh, and I drink like, I don't know, a quarter of the cup or something. And now I'm just wired you know, I can't do anything. Everything's shaking. Brain's going a mile a minute on nothing <laughs> important. And I'd be like, how don't, do, this is like drunk driving. Like how do people do anything with this stuff in their blood? <laughs> and, and, but that's what I had to do. And so I kept doing it. And finally, like day four goes by or something and I'm up there and, and finally I'm, somebody's somebody next to them and they're like, Oh, going for the strong stuff. And I was like, Sorry, can you uh, tell me a little more about that? <laughs> and they're like, oh, we got two pots. This is like for all the people that have been drinking coffee for years. And this is like the stuff that most people can take. <laughs> and and that's when I saw my coffee. You know, I was like, oh, OK, this stuff, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's just like a tolerance and I have none. And now I'm going for like the addict version of like, you know, injecting it straight into your veins. Uh, <laughs> I survived that and I, I I still love coffee. Um, Yeah
0: where do you go uh for coffee you go out for coffee at all uh
1: on occasion i think it's interesting i don't know if i'm the only one that has this experience like if i go to a different coffee shop i feel like it gives me a different like it it hits me harder than than if i make it at home or something or the same beans maybe um so i do that but for the most part i just love i have a siphon coffee maker at home um which those are so cool, man. Uh, those are so my cool. brother took me to a coffee shop that did that. I was like, this is like chemistry class. It's a little bit of a process. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a routine to it. Yeah. You can't get it super fast. <laughs> there's a lot of nope. physics going on that make it work that are just kind of cool. Uh, and I think you, you are an engineer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're the only person I've ever talked to on the show that has brought up siphon coffee. There you I go. I love it. Um, uh, and if someone else brings it that's, up again, they're probably not going to bring up the physics. I hope. Uh, well, probably not. But the reality is, if somebody's got a siphon coffee they maker know. at home, they're they, they know, and they're they're yeah, they're they It was just yeah,
1: they're committed. It was the mind blowing to me that like you could have coffee not turn acidic after it gets cold, and that's mm-hmm. like the whole the whole. I don't know if it's marketing or what it seems to be true. Uh, of a of a siphon coffee maker um is is that so and it feels like yeah, chemistry class no, to me it's just kind of like no they're they're yeah. cool they're super
0: cool i've got one on my counter i very rarely use uh-huh. too it's there Why it's not? there and it's i'm lazy <laughs> i want coffee i want coffee i i primarily drink AeroPress. press okay. and it's just kind of my go-to go. and i you know make Aeropress so and down taste. here in the office i can yeah yeah so.
1: I haven't had an AeroPress, so maybe I would convert if I had one. But uh,
0: probably not. I mean, siphon's better. I like siphon coffee, coffee through a siphon, better. But AeroPress is just one cup at a time. Convenient. Mm -hmm. I got the process dialed down. I can do a couple other things while I'm, you know, I got the routine. I'm locked Mm -hmm. into the routine. Yeah. So it's a it's the lazy man's way of doing it. Um, where do you want? we'll wrap up with this where do you want gearhouse to be in the next 2 to 5 years like what 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 is the future roadmap for you
1: that is is a question we are trying to answer for ourselves you know there's kind of two directions it could go right this could be a little like seattle shop um and it would just be awesome right and maybe that's where mm-hmm. i burn out it could be something that we like really want to reinvent rentals in a lot of ways right and we really want to really Um, but so like that there's certainly maybe, maybe it could get to there. Uh, but step one is just to make this, the one in Seattle work and figure out what makes it tick. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we figure out if it, if it has, if I have the mental capacity and, and emotion to keep going or whether I'm like, yeah, it's time for me to go like spend every week, you know, all the weekdays and everything like out in the mountains, having a great time, you know, like the Patagonia style founder where he's like, yeah, let my people go surfing, you know, like. You have a lifestyle right. and you go work a lot less than you would have if, if you have a corporate manager um, and to enable right. that for a lot of people. Like, I think that would both of those would be tremendous successes in my mind. Uh, you know, if some other big business decides to com- you know completely change, that would be success too, right? Like, is it people like, oh, are you worried that someone's going to like copy your business model and squash you? And it's like, well, not really, because <laughs> then we've we've solved the problem, too
0: right uh right it, yeah it's um, and i i'm a big believer that there's there's very few industries that only one one business can survive in you know there's there's things like there's let's say automobile manufacturing there's not a lot of small automobile car makers there i'll just say car <laughs> you know you need you need that massive infrastructure to be building a car at for market yeah. Um
1: it's unclear too, like if the business would only work in Seattle because we have so much variety in our outdoors, right? Like if there's only one game one hobby in town, then like you buy the gear for it and you're done. Right. Seattle has a problem in that we have not a problem. <laughs> Seattle has the amazing benefit that we have water, mountains, mm-hmm. forest, desert, all of all the snow and not snow all the time.
0: Yeah. No, there's you're you're you are in a target rich environment. So what didn't I ask you that we should have talked about? Um, hmm.
1: Um And we were talked about why we're here rentals being better than not a place for people to hang out a third place, like not home, not work. Uh, like we just want, we want people getting outside if that's what they decide they want to do. If you don't want to do it, mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me in the slightest, right? Everyone's got their cup of tea. Right. Um, uh, but really right. the,
0: I prefer to say a cup of there coffee.
1: There you go. Yeah. Wrong. Forgot what show I was on. Yeah, um, on. <laughs> <laughs> We So we just, like, that's what? really the overarching, like, mission of, of GearHouse is, like, what can we do mm-hmm. to make you get outside uh, in a way that you're going to have a better time? Um, right. And so I think we covered all the ways that we think we can do that for you. But um, we'd love, like, if you heard this and stop in, like, we would love to hear all the things that you're like. Evan's not that smart because X, Y, Z, like we would love to chat with you, anybody about that. You just want to come check out the space, open invite, come check it mm-hmm. out. Like that would be phenomenal Well, as well. Give us, give us the best, and we'll put these in the show notes, but where can people find you online? Join gearhouse.com. Um, that's important. Um, we're on all the different social medias. So we're gearhouse, Seattle, um, on Instagram and Facebook, um, and a lot of the contact streams just come to me. If you got thoughts on, you know, you want to reach out, you can do hello at joingearhouse.com or Evan at joingearhouse.com. Both of those will come to me, uh, and yeah. all thoughts. And we reply to everything that comes in the door at this point. Uh,
0: so, um, yeah. And if people want to make an appointment, they can go to joingearhouse.com and schedule yep, that's that Right, and, or to uh, show
1: up at an event that works too. Um, probably in the next month or so we'll have real, like regular operating hours. Hopefully we have the beer license. So if you want to come have a brew, um, we do coffee and tea as well. So, um, no, no hard love. And then, um, yeah, we're in South Lake union of Seattle. So we are two or three blocks North of the REI flagship and feathered friends, um, kind of along that East Lake Mm -hmm. corridor right next to I-90 and I-5. Um, how's parking? Parking is surprisingly good. Um, there's a lot of street parking around. Um, and it's not as tight as Capitol Hill or something like that. It depends on time of day, but (laughs) no one's complained about parking. If they complain, they complain that we're hard to find because you have to walk down an alley to find us. Um, and my other favorite fact is, uh for every one person that complains we're hard to find nine out of ten people kind of like that we're hard to find
0: (laughs) they think of that as like
1: oh this is kind of like weird down this back alley and there's this door that i would never look at and then there's this really cool gear space in the back
0: uh kind of like a speakeasy for gear.
1: uh and we got just so lucky finding that spot uh we we did not choose the spot the spot just came to us and somebody sent it our way and that was the only thing that we looked at after that uh, that's awesome.
0: So, yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Well, I, I enjoyed talking to you. I appreciate you sharing your, your company and, and what you're, how you can help people save themselves the headache of a closet full of gear, but still having access to great, great quality gear. That's put together with some attention to detail and, uh, helping those of us that we don't know what questions to ask. You're going to help us make sure we get the right answers to the questions that we should should have asked. So Evan, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
1: I love talking about this all day long. And this was a great time to just have a chat, uh, with somebody completely new and, and a host of people.